0: Welcome into the Waiver Fire podcast. Nick and JP coming off of one of the craziest NFL weekends of all time, JP. Of oh, all time. Goodness. It feels
1: it feels so right to be talking about the first really good uh, Martin Scorsese movie and this dope weekend all at the same time.
0: Oh, it's, it's a match made in heaven for sure. We will definitely be talking Mean Streets. In just a little bit, man, but let's let's give these games their due because they put on some shows for us. Dude, where do where, where do we want to start, man? Let's start with the with like the lowest scoring game here. Okay. Lowest scoring game was the Packers shitting the bed in the snow, putting up 10 points in Lambo, and and somehow losing to the 49ers off of complete. Sh- uh shenanigans dude
1: i heard that robbie gould's charity took a huge bump (laughs) hell yes from chicago fans the night oh absolutely that 49ers murked the packers oh vikings fans
0: were were standing up for sure too
1: because robbie gould he used to be a a a bear right true that's what that's that's what he was on on the old madden games wow um, shout out yeah so uh that's great it aaron rogers is a bad person true and uh a good quarterback but it's good to see him go down
0: Oh, man, it was Robbie Gould was definitely America's hero for sure. Um, you know, two weeks ago, it was the ref who screwed uh, Dak Prescott. That was America's hero. And he had his he had his five minutes. But now, Robbie Gould, you get your five minutes, brother. I mean, you literally got five minutes because then, you know, come Sunday, nobody really remembered that Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I mean, people will talk about this week, but good Lord, the Bills game. But no, we will we will reserve that because it was insane. But, uh, you know, I, I do want to kind of, is there really anything, this is supposed to be a fantasy show, JP, and I know that uh, fantasy is hard to kind of gauge right now with Aaron Rodgers' situation up in the air. Um, 49ers side of the ball, I mean, it, it's kind of scary. Debo Samuel, Debo Samuel got lit up at the end of the game, unfortunately. He, he is questionable to play in the championship round, which it would be a a huge bummer to be missing Debo, but um, just peeking a a little bit ahead at this offense, you know, assuming that Jimmy G is gone, like Debo Samuel's probably, what do you think? Do you think he's, do you think he's a fourth rounder next year? Do you think he's a third rounder next year? Something like that. Um... In there. How are you feeling, man? Is it kind I of like a measure? Or...
1: I like Eli Mitchell over there. I think he's gonna continue to be productive.
0: I, think yeah, saw I don't see why him. they would go away from him for sure. He's been Raheem Moser good.
1: Is, is just he's I don't I even want to call him a glass cannon,
0: he's just glass, mm. <laughs> like a glass what? water pistol.
1: Yeah, what does he even do? <laughs> like,
0: um, <laughs> oh but it, it's over for most for sure. But, but, but that I, I, the, mm-hmm. Dylan um,
1: looks fine. Yeah, he's just, he's, he's a, he's a brick house.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're right. It's, it's interesting for the running back situation on both of them. You know, the 49ers, it's always so sticky because they just play a committee and now Debo is basically a running back. So they're going to have like at least three running backs next year, but, but you're right. It's uh it's an offense to keep your eye on for sure. Um, but Hey, hell yeah. 49ers way to go, man. Off of a blocked punt titty and two field goals. You're in the champ champ round. Let's go, man. Um, the, the next highest scoring was not my favorite, to be honest. I was, I was pretty excited for the Titans, but the Bengals. I'm, I'm chill with them as well. They go on the road and beat the Titans 1916. So both number one seeds both bye weeks shit the bed and lost their first playoff game so what do you think man Bengals versus titans any any uh that was a that feels like a long time ago but any uh recollections from that saturday afternoon game Mm ho-hum yeah it was it was um you know i think aj brown had had a solid game even julio had some touches which is nice i it seems like he's going to retire which completely opens up that wide receiver two role which i think could have value next year i know Tannehill. Tannehill really shit the bed on this one man he he straight up lost them that game with three interceptions i want to say it was it was ugly for ryan this uh this week but i I think he still has his job and it's still a good offense you know derrick henry coming back from that Toe injury. The reports that went into him playing were kind of crazy. I don't know if you saw those, but it was like he had at least a few screws drilled into his foot. He had like a couple plates, a metal plates, like surrounding his foot. It was it seemed excessive to play on that, but uh and, and he had a you know, he had a mild game. I think he had a touchdown, but uh yeah, I guess I don't care either way. It's it's nice to see the Bengals, you know, having this run that they're having. Um Another another tiny little peek ahead, JP, Joe Mixon. First rounder next year? Yeah. and And you're comfortable there as, like, the RB1? Yeah,
1: I guess. The first round seems so wishy-washy next year. Right. I don't know what's going on right now with how I feel about the league, but.
0: Yeah, okay, I'm with you there. Maybe can I, everybody. Can,
1: maybe everybody will be feeling funny about the first round.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. This this first round, you know, the, coming into this year, it felt like Zeke felt very strong, and of course, CMC and Dalvin felt very, so. You know, it's it's hard to walk away feeling great about first rounders after this year and probably last year as well. But um, how about Cooper Cup or Joe Mixon? Tough one, right?
1: Uh, I guess I'll take Cooper Cup.
0: I think I would too, man. It's just maybe it, it's, too- it's just
1: it's just the way that that I've been drafting recently. Mm-hmm. Yes, I just I just take the person that's just who's the hot who's the hotter fire, like
0: who's that beast?
1: Like because you can fill in, you can find an Eli Mitchell, or you can a core cordell patterson or something like Lenny that Fournette. Mm-hmm. but there's nothing you can ever do possibly to ever find cooper cup you know
0: i agree yep I, I do agree i do agree all right man the next game was a pretty spicy one where the rams traveled to tampa took on tom brady and almost choked it almost gave that game away Actually, it was 27 to three going into the second half. And man, the Bucks Tom Brady almost pulled off that that Falcons Super Bowl miracle again. But the Rams were able to clutch it out on Cooper Cups. Nasty two catch, like 80 yards in the last you know, 30 seconds or whatever. Pretty disgusting ending there. Um, I know it's still if that one also feels it was only yesterday, but it still feels like a while ago any takeaways from that rams bucks game?
1: Oh, I mean hard-fought on, on both sides. It was just a good mm-hmm. game to watch. Um yeah, Sunday was great. It was. Football,
0: it was it was a, it was a but, great day. I mean, of course. We even forgot to give a shout out auburn let's go man number one in the country baby oh my god we're killing it (laughs) we are dude we hosted did
1: you see see how crazy the students are getting
0: i've seen the camping out what have you seen
1: well from from previously we we were uh we were tackling people that were inside of traffic cones but now wow now we've graduated to um Trust fall belly flops off of the off of the um, like columns at tumors.
0: Oh my gosh! So
1: people are just going full on swan dive trust fall <laughs> off of it, and every, and people are like catching them.
0: No deaths yet, thankfully. I, yeah. I'm guessing. Yeah, that's no fantastic, deaths. man. Live it up, dude. Number one in the country, even as an old. Thirty-one year old. It feels so great to be involved with that. I can't imagine actually being like, you know, a college senior, junior, whatever, and just uh just loving life right now. Being camping a college, out. yes,
1: camp camping out and getting in for free,
0: camping out, getting in for free, knowing that you could probably, I mean, those tickets were going for five hundred dollars. Yeah. I don't know about, I don't know about student stuff, but. $500 ticket and it lived up to it, man. We kind of started off real slow and then just took control and had some, Uh, it was a great game. And I'm glad that we got the uh, number one nod. We'll see how long it lasts, you know, our upcoming schedule. We have a couple uh I don't think they're ranked opponents, but a couple tough opponents coming up. Uh, I think Oklahoma. And then we host Bama in a week or so. So, you know, let's enjoy it while we can. We'll see how long it lasts. But uh, anyways, Forgot to give them a shout out. But uh yeah, takeaways from Rams, Bucks, you know, of course, just like Aaron Rodgers, a lot comes down to if Tom Brady is gonna stay or not. It really does seem questionable at this point, man. He's getting old, you know, tough loss here, but that offense is still so potent. He knows he can get in the the division is super easy, man. Panthers, Falcons, they suck. The Saints, who knows? But you know, the Bucks come into the season as the heavy favorite to, to run it back to the playoffs, at least. So it's a welcome opportunity for him. I mean, Mike Evans showing that he's still very, very good. Um, it's interesting to see that team without Antonio Brown or Chris Godwin. I think that really does hurt a lot. So, yeah, it, it's interesting for sure. Um, I guess one big takeaway from me is that, you know, the Rams got Cam Akers back after a miracle recovery from a torn uh, Achilles, you know, that's supposed to be the death sentence and he hasn't looked great or anything. Honestly, the whole Rams running game has not looked great. I'm going to hopefully kind of chalk that up to that Tampa Bay front, just being obscene with Vita Veya uh, just being the most stalwart rushing um, defenseman ever. It seems like, But something to keep an eye on, man, because that Rams running back, you know, you and I both kind of got on board with Daryl Henderson to start the year, and and he was pretty good. But it's going to be, you know, it's one of those things I don't want to get trapped into it. I don't want to get trapped into savoring Todd Gurley from two or three years ago or whatever it seems like now. So just something to monitor. Um, They are going to play. The Rams are going to play the 49ers again. That is like. They're Crypt night it seems like. So well, they're, they're the Rams are the favorite going into next week still, but um could be a crazy, crazy game. But I'm gonna be keeping my eyes on that running, that running game for sure. Um all right, man. We've we've kind of uh buried the lead here. Chiefs, Bills. Uh, <sighs> you know I'm on digs. Three
1: for seven.
0: <laughs> oh, no. Why do you have to start there, JP? There's so much <laughs> good. There's so much good shit. And you <laughs> start with the Diggs. Oh, man. The whole talk of the town coming up to the game was you know, Diggs was the last person in the stadium when they lost to the Chiefs in last year's playoffs. And, bro, <laughs> one of the worst, worst playoff performances in a game where both, when the team scores 78 points, What did you say? Did you say six yards, 16 yards, seven yards for for seven
1: when he was, when he was uh, left over in the stadium that night, it's because he was just, he got lost. He he doesn't know what's going on. He's like, Hey, there's a celebration over there.
0: Is that my team? oh JP you're so ruthless man golly
1: but Gabriel Davis oh our boy your boy eight receptions for 201 yards and four titties oh my god double
0: motorboated oh the 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 threesome double motorboat you just love to see it man and you know Gabe Davis wasn't really on our fantasy radars this year but He's, he's another one of those, our boys from, from days gone past, man, Gabe, you introduced me to him and here's a star dude. It's so, it's so disappointing, honestly, that he can't go to the next round. Cause he would have been all the talk of the town coming into this coming week, but love to see Gabe Davis, man. Yes. The double motorboat in the playoffs, but you know, as a bills fan. And I do consider myself a Bills fan, even though I only lived there for a year. I still love them. And dude, just straight up heartbreak, man. Like, can Josh Allen as a person like is he is he just did he stay stay the whole day at like the psychiatrist's office this today, man? I would be heartbroken, dude. Devastated.
1: He did, he did everything that he possibly he could. Did. He was did a they, hero. They, they should they should make you go for like a second point, like a like a two point conversion, or God, they needed to get another chance to go. Yeah, they.
0: It's
1: if it's about time constraints, then they should have made it like a. They should make NFL like a sudden death type overtime where where everything is a two point conversion or whatever they have to do, but just yeah. don't let just don't make Josh Allen go home that way. Just. At least give him a chance to to throw two touchdowns to win the game, like he did, and then do something else, anything. Let him uh, do a thumb wrestle or an arm or, or whatever. Like,
0: <laughs> it's a shame. It's a shame that everybody walks away from that game thinking that it was so fucking epic. But also, what you just said—that the overtime rules are, are cheap. And it just comes down to a, a coin flip. It seems like at least in recent years. I mean, obviously, if you look at the history of overtime, there's many situations where the second team to get the ball does win. But it seems like in recent years, all of the big games where the defense is just deflated by that point And, you know, they're not going to stop anybody. It does seem unfair. You know, my, my uh, group chat with uh, my brother and and the boys were just going through the wildest permutations of what they could possibly do. Just getting hilariously ridiculous. Like, all right, if you're going to make it sudden death, at least don't do a coin flip. Like at least do what you said, like do rock, paper, scissors. And, and my personal favorite was that they would play dodgeball with footballs at the 50 yard line to see who wins because anything feels better than this, man. I mean, it it really is sad um i they i could draw straws draw straws sure you know <laughs> um, draw play straws like, it's play it takes Hopscotch? no time something something it takes no you're... time
1: you draw straws and this it fucking it's over and then we i don't know and uh, then it's, everybody it's, gets to try it's it, it's a tough situation for sure really i fast. i
0: I personally don't think it will change because I think, you know, if you asked like any random 10 year old, they would be like, that was the greatest thing of all time. And they don't have any, I, you know, they're not going to be like, Oh, it's so, it's so morally wrong or whatever. I I think the general fan, it,
1: it probably won't change, but everybody's, everybody's not feeling it.
0: Yeah. And you know, the bills, I think are kind of the lovable losers here. Of course, Kansas city, goes home just with nut all up in their pants for sure. But the rest of us are like, God damn it. That Patrick Mahomes again, like, but, but you look at these playoffs, man, you look at these conference championships and these, this is a really cool situation, man. Tom Brady, Aaron Rogers, both out. Uh, of course, it seems like the chiefs are going to be the heavy favorites at this point, but Bengals at chiefs, you know, with the chiefs having to play their asses off to the last breath there, they might, they might be a little exhausted, man. Do the Bengals have any chance here?
1: Yeah, sure. I think I don't so. See why not? I mean, yeah, they've they've got they've got the makings of something that you wouldn't expect. And there's no their defense sucks, but their quarterback is a wild card, mm-hmm. and their running back is steady. Yes, and their wide receivers are. A plenty and it's all you need
0: i totally agree man and and let's not leave out our war damn eagle cj uzoma who has actually kind of emerged as like an nfl talent which is so cool to see man you saw his speech uh give it to me again
1: he had a speech before uh before the game that they won and Mm -hmm. it was dope it was in the locker room Damn. You can see it on Sports Center's Instagram. Really, he did like a hype
0: speech to the team before the game.
1: Yeah, they were they were in the they were in the tunnel, and he was talking to to the team, and he was like,
0: and it was really dope. That's so cool, man. I I, I don't think he's a team captain or anything, but wow, way to put like the leadership on your shoulders. So amazing to see him, uh, you know, emerge there and be be a star it seems like in the making so more damn eagle there and then on the other side of the ball i kind of flirted it and just to give a quick sneak peek on that sneak peek on the Bengals chiefs the over under is 54 and a half points the last time i checked so if you're playing dfs this coming week probably going to have a lot of chiefs we'll see we'll see how expensive they make it this past week They did not make almost anybody expensive and you can really play the team you want. So it'll be interesting to see how DFS is played this week, but you got to expect the chiefs to play.
1: It's time to play some single game.
0: It probably is. Yeah. You probably showdown lineups. Yep. Lineups for, for the showdowns. I'm with you. I guess I'm still a sucker for, for a Sunday slate. So, and it's nice. They're both on Sunday, so it'll be a really fun Sunday, but um, that's a 54 and a half over and our chiefs are favored by a titty, which is, That's a lot. We'll see how that happens. But 49ers at Rams, that's only a 46 and a half over under. Sadly, the 49ers defense is is really looking fantastic. And the Rams defense also, you know, I know they gave up a lot at the end, but they were pretty stout that first half against uh, Tom Brady. So could be exciting. Um, Do you have anybody? Are you cheering for any of these four teams in particular?
1: Um. I don't know. I guess I want Matt Stafford
0: to win. Yeah, same here. I'm going for the Rams myself. All right, dude. Whew. That was that was a very exciting NFL weekend. I am still honestly recovering. I'm excited to settle into uh, the Australian Open is settling into the quarterfinals right now, so it's nice so that we get a little breather because I mean, next weekend there's no way that it could be such fireworks show, but if it is, people are going to be having some damn heart attacks. Wow. But uh, should should we swap over to our film reviews? Yeah, let's swap over. Let's
1: talk about Johnny Boy.
0: Oh, Johnny Boy. Robert De Niro played a pretty incredible character in Mean Streets by Martin Scorsese. His third film, we watched his debut, Who's That Knocking at My Door? And then his sophomore choice, Boxcar Bertha. So you said his first great film, man. JP, you like this one?
1: Yeah, I mean the I mean the, we liked the first one. It was pretty good. Yes. He it was raw. He 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 created it and and the second one was not really like that. He didn't really create it. It was something he directed. It was a project he kind of inherited. But no, this is this is where you you start seeing the real him, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, A lot of the stuff, it's not very, it's not entirely like experimental, you know? Yes. It's very, it's very purposeful. Everything, everything has, has a purpose. Um, The music is very nice in this movie. It's like a, it's like a fifties, fifties music, you know, but I mean, I'm, I'm assuming it takes place in the seventies or eighties. They talk about it at one point. They say this is the old music, mm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, yeah, the music is is so good. Um, I enjoyed the music a lot. Uh, the characters—they just seem really real. Johnny Boy, he just seems like a real, like an actual scumbag, like someone you might actually know, like someone that, like, if you know any scumbags, he. he, he He, i know some and they 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 (laughs) remind me of of johnny boy a lot um
0: the the main character he's a trip for sure that charlie or johnny boy they're both kind of uh, main characters i guess no
1: char charlie johnny boy's not on screen enough to be the main character i don't
0: think you're right you're right but yeah this is oh good i'm sorry
1: but charlie Bo- uh johnny boy he's he's crazy
0: he's he wild. is and I, it, he does feel realistic man i i got i got almost a sense of kind of uncut gems vibe not really from the character but just from the just continual self-destruction that this guy has in refusal to um i don't know see the light in some ways and and take an open path and I don't know. He, it's just so much impending doom and nervousness kind of surrounding Johnny Boy. But but I did want to just kind of um, place this for myself. So this is, uh, I think it was 1973. So we're, we're six years after Who's That Knocking? And of course, it is Harvey Keitel's return to um, Scorsese. He only had one kind of minor character part in between these two films, which is I mean, obviously it's not, it's not sad. Harvey Keitel went on to have a fantastic career, but a little bit interesting. I think that he he starred for um, who's that knocking on my door. It was kind of a, uh, you know, we talked about it, had that good Roger Ebert uh, review, and then he just didn't get anything, but um, Scorsese picked him right back up for when he got this first Warner Bros picture. I think that's worth mentioning that coming off of boxcar Bertha, like, yes, maybe it wasn't fantastic, but he he kind of did the work that needed to get done. And now he gets backed by Warner bros and all of that cash. Um, pretty cool to see him just go right back to Harvey and be like, dude, you need to get back to this because I know you haven't had much right now, but you're, you're awesome. And you, this character is going to be perfect for you. Did you, I don't know, man. It, it almost seemed like Charlie was a bit of an extension from his, who's that knocking character in some ways. I, I, I thought, that it almost seemed like he had that character had kind of grown up into himself a little bit. Did you see some yeah, similarities? I mean, yeah. Feel? Well, I
1: mean, I don't see why I'm not. It, yeah. You probably couldn't really distinguish one from the other. Um, I guess the, the one in, in this film would be a little bit more reserved and mm-hmm. more worried about what what's actually going on in his life probably less likely to open up to some random girl in in, in a in a um in a train station yes or whatever.
0: yeah but I mean, he, he is more established in his gang involvement you know i think that um who's that knocking he was kind of like in a gang i guess you could say they were just like kids being kids and now he's he's really established himself in some sort of gang involvement it's still mm-hmm. pretty low level but i think in this movie he was going to like take over a restaurant i mean that's that's pretty big for anybody let alone i'm guessing he's supposed to be in like in his mid to late 20s here so so he was getting more established but i just saw some a lot of similarities like yes it wasn't it wasn't a um girl from a train station but still chasing girls for sure not just the um johnny boy's cousin but a uh the black uh dancer So he's still definitely chasing tail for sure. And, but still caring about that appearance, right? Like in the first movie, he didn't want to, you know, be with a girl that had this virgin, non-virgin situation. And that was a thing. And now he's kind of hesitant about a epileptic or a black uh, woman. So still very much caring about appearances. And then of course the whole um, Catholic you know, uh, what should That's, I say?
1: It's heavy what's that on this that Catholic stuff's heavy on this one.
0: It was I mean it was one of the first few scenes where he's he's going to church and really feeling that um I don't know the I don't know the right word to say it, but just it's darkness like in his heart
1: It's like a rebelliousness against uh, like his religion.
0: Yes, it is. But he wants, he, I don't think he wants to like rebel. I think he still wants to embrace it. He's just trying to toe that line a little bit. Um, but, but yeah, so that's kind of how I first started seeing uh, Harvey Keitel. I mean, honestly, you know, I thought he did a great job as in this character. I mean, I guess he didn't, he doesn't really have to do too much. There, there aren't a lot of scenes where he has to like show really deep heartfelt emotions. I'm I'm thinking there was maybe that one towards the end where he kind of slaps Johnny boy up a little bit and tries to kind of talk some sense into him, but, but he goes along for the show and and does show a lot. Um, So, so yeah, I mean, I I really did enjoy the film a lot as well. I I am kind of, you know, you, you immediately brought up the music. It's one thing that I, I wanted to pay a lot of attention to because, because it is Scorsese. I know how much he, at least nowadays, goes into his soundtracks. And I, I loved it once it got into it. But I do recall it started on Be My Baby by the Ronettes, which is a great song. I do really like that song. But I was like, hmm, I don't know. It seemed, it seemed a little overused in my opinion and then it it went right into um a couple rolling stone songs so i was i was a little nervous at first that it was just gonna be like oh it's like is this like a big hollywood film where we now have just like big budget hit songs but but it ultimately settled into some really deep cut italian gems and some awesome stuff so it you know the soundtrack won me over in the end but i i was a little bit hesitant at first with those with those picks but um anyways I just wanted to kind of feedback from what you were saying. Uh, What else did you want to to dive into?
1: I don't really know what else it it's, it's it's kind of straightforward. The, just this, like you were saying, uncut gems, like frustration of this guy's Mm. just, he's getting in so much trouble. Mm -hmm. We're watching it happen. And, and, and as it's happening, we know that something's bad. Like he's, he's going to pay for, for what he's done somehow. And, 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 you know, Johnny, he's the worst. He's the worst ever. Like any situation, any situation, he's going to find out how to make it go from bad to the po- worst possible thing. He's going to, mm-hmm. he's going to piss the guy off. He's going to steal. He's going to hurt somebody and and then you're going to have to deal with it cuz you came there with Johnny.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. He's part of your crew and you have to be loyal, you know, to him, but his the loyalty wears thin. Um and I think that's just a one of the better kind of motifs or themes in this movie is loyalty, whether it's Charlie, you know, trying to be as loyal as possible to Johnny boy but just constantly being, you know, honestly losing his his own way charlie's own way you know once johnny boy starts asking like hey i think you need to talk to your uncle for me and charlie's like no dude like i'm not going to fuck my life over for you like that's past the loyalty line there um you also have charlie's loyalty with um what is her name teresa the cousin of johnny boy so you know, there's a lot of relationship strain for sure in this movie. I do want to shout out Robert De Niro a little bit. So to place this movie, um, it is a year after The Godfather came out. So I, you know, I was thinking maybe if this was before The Godfather, it kind of set the stage a little bit into the American audience. I, I am honestly not any sort of film historian at all in terms of, you know, what was the American mood towards, Italian crime uh, flicks at this time, but to come a year after the Godfather and not to be seen as like either a ripoff or is, is pretty impressive, I think. Yeah. And, and I think it's very fascinating. Honestly, it said on Wikipedia that De Niro actually had an offer to, to play in the Godfather. I don't know what, for, for what role, it could have been totally minor, but turned it down for Another production that was just some small film. I had never heard of it. I had never heard of any of the the films that uh, he had started. And he did. He had started in a few films and also done some pretty big hit um, off Broadway stage production. So he was he was definitely getting to be known um, before he he really starred in in this film. But man, after this film, he went on to do The Godfather Part Two the very next year. And we all know what an epic role he had in that. Won an Academy Award for that. So to see his career path, it's it's kind of fascinating, really. To see from Johnny Boy to the next year, you're an Oscar winner for The Godfather Part II. Uh, and that was his very next film. Just kind of amazing to see. And and it makes sense, man. Like the chops he shows, whether it's, I don't know, what are some of his best scenes? Like uh, me personally, I thought one of the, his, his more scary uh scenes is when he is like looking through the window when he finds out about charlie and Teresa. do you remember that where he like catches them and he's yeah. like he's like peeking in the window super menacingly with his big ass grin on his face and i mean man he uh, i do think that i like the scene was, where he
1: walks up and he's got his pants off or whatever
0: <laughs> oh that was no. I'm not I don't know if that was his intro scene but that was that was hilarious dude where he checks his pants to the to the hostess or whatever Oh man I will say there there is one scene that I thought it wasn't it wasn't my favorite acting to be honest it was it was quickly after that um window scene where he catches catches Charlie and Teresa where he's kind of running away from Charlie and Charlie catches up and they kind of have that emotional scene where he says something like you're trying to protect me, you think you're protecting me like you haven't done shit for me, something like that. Um and I don't know. He's supposed to be kind of weepy but it seemed it seemed a little fake for me. It didn't it didn't vibe with me 100%. But but ultimately a super strong showing for sure. Um Some other things that I guess I wanted to bring up is uh some of the um, you know relationships with that Charlie has in his own life whether it's obviously the uncle who was this I thought he was kind of a badass character man like super suave handsome kind of menacing we don't see him too much but when we do we know that it's like a place of respect and and power I really liked him a lot and then and then the mom character which we never see but but buys him that like shirt and tie and lays it on his bed i think and it like leaves a little loving note i don't know it it seems like charlie just has i i recognize that his uncle is is a mob member maybe that's not a great influence but but the amount of respect and love that he gets from his family is is so um tangible throughout the movie that that it, it really makes sense to to see where his um i don't know it reflects on his like loyalty and his desires in life and stuff so i think i think his character is really fleshed out by the relationships he has um let's see here you know the whole the kind of continual uh burning of his fingers for like yeah. the punishments he's done there's, that was there's
1: definitely something there
0: yeah like you know, this idea of like self-harm for the wrongs you've done. I mean, I think that probably does have a lot of uh, Catholic inclinations that I'm not really familiar with, but it was an interesting dynamic of his character, right? That he just, he wants to do right. Like he has this moral code, I guess, that he's trying to live by. But, uh, and I think even he's in a bar and does it in front of his friends and they kind of, call it like a parlor trick and he kind of like shakes it off a little bit but it's no trick for him man i think that's like that's like a part of his life that he needs that kind of self burning and stuff it's kind of dark to to witness really
1: yeah i i, I see that too for sure oh
0: uh, let's see man oh one of one of my favorite scenes which i don't know if it was campy or um avant-garde or two um what's the word i'm looking for too chaotic or wild was when they go to the back of Tony's bar the the kind of um exotic dancer bar and dude's got straight up a uh, a tiger or a lion baby in a cage and he he actually the actor straight up gets in the cage and like loves on this tiger like what in the that that came out of nowhere for me
1: yeah that that was kind of a wild scene
0: Like, I I thought I was like, okay, we're going to show the tiger like this is kind of a classic, uh, whether it's, um, you know, what what movies have shown that like, of course, The Hangover has had it. Um, But uh, I think uh, Scarface also he had tigers like it's kind of become a classic like mobster uh, motif, I guess, to have, to have a lion or a tiger or whatever, but dude, for, for the actor to get in the cage was, was just wild. And that actor, I don't know if you recognize that actor, but I know him as um, Richie Aprile from the Sopranos, who is a great character, you know, Um, I think uh, gets killed by Tony's sister ultimately, but has some really cool storylines. I I really like Richie Aprile.
1: Oh yeah. He was the, you you like him as a character but you're they they write him for you to not
0: like him right oh yeah you have to hate richard yeah he he is a nasty man for sure i remember him he uh i think he his most famous you know besides getting shot by tony's sister probably is when he uh he like basically runs over the pizza shop owner and puts him like in a full body cast and like yeah it's there's some yeah. there's some serious I, darkness I think
1: they introduce him on that season and then take him take him out on that season as well. Yeah, I think
0: he's I think he's a one season villain as well, but uh um,
1: very memorable.
0: Oh man, for sure. And I think he does a great job here. You know, he kind of plays the the cool and collected but also very personable Tony who who owns the car um you know, what does he do? He's got the the lion and the t- tiger whatever it is. He I think he he basically does that. uh, He rips off those kids with the fireworks. That's kind of a funny scene to me. Um, I just really liked Tony and how um, this actor portrayed him. I thought it was, I thought he did a great job, man.
1: We're going to the movies.
0: Oh, always with the movie. I I forgot to mention that. That's kind of another similarity that uh, Charlie has to his, um, who's that knocking character, right? Like a kind of fascination. I I think he even mentions John Wayne in this movie again. Maybe I'd have to. No, yeah, he he does. He
1: talked about John Wayne.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, that continuation of, um, you know, loving of films, uh, it really resonates through. They, they go to them. How much did you get 20 bucks? Let's go to the movies or whatever. It was, it was really good to see it. And they, I think they go to the movies at least twice in this film, which so that's yeah. just a, a common uh, a love. Um, let's see here. You know, one scene that I thought was, was pretty interesting was the Vietnam vet coming home party maybe birthday party i think it was a coming home party who has severe ptsd and and responds um pretty violently to to uh some noises or something like that it was i i just i thought it was very interesting because it really was not related to the characters at all but it, it just put i mean this is 73 so not too many years after vietnam it's I, I don't know of a film like The Deer Hunter that talks, of course, in depth about this topic. Didn't come out for another like I don't know five six years I think. So it, it felt pretty modern to really address that topic in that way. It was it was a scary scene I found.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Uh, let's see here. I did love that I I did recognize finally a cameo when uh, Scorsese's mom. Uh, helps Teresa during that epileptic epileptic episode that she yeah. has towards the end. I I noticed that that was Scorsese's mom helping her out in the the stairwell or whatever. So nice. I'm starting to get a bit of a relationship with uh Scorsese and his parents here. Um I did not recognize and I only caught it uh from looking at Wikipedia the the um hitman, the gunman in the back of the the main villain's car who shoots Uh, Johnny boy at the end that is Martin Scorsese which I did not recognize him yes Uh, you know I did go back in um, boxcar Bertha to check out his cameo because I had read that he was one of um, Bertha's Johns when she was a prostitute I did go back and he did have actually a a pretty uh, major character I don't know if you recall one of the Johns um, asked to spend the night because he doesn't want to sleep alone that night do you still remember that? It was a very small part
1: I remember the speaking part.
0: Yeah. He said like, can I stay here tonight? And she's like, sure you can. He's like, I just don't want to be home uh, alone tonight or whatever. That's Martin Scorsese, which I did not pick up on because, you know, I know him as he, what he is now, like what a 70 year old or something like that. He's kind of a, a s- smaller guy, uh, very sophisticated looking, but in that boxcar Bertha, you know, he's actually kind of a chubby, chubby guy with with no beard or anything it's, it's an interesting look and um the six uh i guess let's see i think between bertha and this movie was maybe maybe two years something like that um yeah it, it, he was almost again indistinguishable as that hitman you don't really get to see his face or whatever but what a cool role to put yourself in as the director man i mean that's he that's a big part even though he's only there for like a minute the gunman that that I think kills Johnny boy with a throat shot. Like that was an Epic scene, honestly, like what a, I I know that it's kind of maybe, I don't know, too stereotypical to end on such a a literal bang, but bro, that ending was fucking fire. In my opinion, that thing was, that one thing was nasty with the, with the throat shot of Johnny boy. And he's like, man, Robert De Niro played that part great like holding at his jugular but then um trying to like open the door by reaching out of the window to open from the outside and whoo it was dark it was dark and and very very good i maybe one of my favorite scenes at the end there for sure um other things you know i guess uh to go to some things that I, i wasn't a huge fan of really was uh that fight scene at the pool hall where um a uh, kind of miscellaneous character is is collecting a debt from the pool hall owner it seems like i mean it was it was kind of an interesting scene but the the fighting itself which lasted for like a minute or two was was so badly choreographed it seemed like <laughs> like it was so fake looking yeah um you know especially compared to you know the movies that we know him for like I, I think we all look at the action in Goodfellas and some of the rough, rough scenes as being very realistic. But man, that was that was pretty amateur hour. It, it felt like, like when so.
1: Johnny Boy gets up on the table with the stick, though.
0: Not bad. Definitely not bad. He he definitely takes it to a new level, and he shows some good good heart there. And. and seemingly does some full swings on some actors with that stick. But most of the people took it very soft and and it was very clear that no punches were actually landing or anything like that. So that that wasn't my favorite scene, to be honest. Um, Yeah. I mentioned the scene where De Niro has to be kind of emotional in the street. I thought it was kind of fake. Um, You know, one thing I thought was interesting from Wikipedia afterwards was that the Teresa actress, I thought that she did a really good job, man. Let alone being, in my opinion, smoking hot. Again, uh, Scorsese cannot—he's three for three, JP, on getting tits in his film. So, a a a uh, similarity that I guess is going to continue. I have no idea. Are we going to get tits in every single film here? I don't know. But um, I was I was surprised that that actress. Um, did not go on to really do anything afterwards. I thought that she was pretty good. You know, she pretty attractive, good actress. She did not have any uh, really anything of consequence after this. And then very quickly got into being a producer somehow, like actually uh, produced a couple of Scorsese's future films as well. So I don't know. I don't know if she like came from money or what she did, but I was kind of disappointed, honestly. I was hoping to maybe see if she had been in something else uh, of note that I could see her in, but she was not. Um, and I guess a last note on the characters, the, the main bad guy, Michael, who's really just trying to collect his debt. I, I hate to even call him a bad guy, but he does commit murder at the end. So I, I kind of call him a bad guy. Was actually played, I don't know if you recognized him either. He was also a Sopranos character. He was um, Melfi's ex-husband, who's only in a few scenes, but I think he's, you know, somewhat of a memorable character. Um, that, is, uh, that is the same guy there. as Melfi's ex-husband. So very cool wow. to see these, these kind of classic. And I think I also saw that um, uh, Tony, Tony Soprano, who I'm, I'm just the dumbest person. I cannot remember the name of the actor for End Tony Soprano. Thank you so much. Gandolfini uh definitely said that when Mean Streets came out he watched it 10 times in the theater. So it was it was a landmark film for him as a youth and it's so cool to see a couple of the actors uh go on just to play uh, roles in that uh that uh that TV show. Well, I guess that wraps it up for me. I I do think that it was a very good film. I I really did enjoy it. I I don't put it as like a I really don't, in my opinion, put it as a huge classic. I don't think that it was, I guess I know it does probably a lot for, for the industry and for that, um, that kind of film really, you know, laid some groundwork for everything. I don't personally see it as, as you know, any sort of good fellows or anything like that. I did really enjoy it. It was definitely better than the first two efforts. I would give it, you know, at least an eight out of ten. It was very, very solid and, and one that I would I would like to watch again for sure. Um, but certainly no ten out of ten in my opinion. But um really did like it. Any uh any closing thoughts on the film from you?
1: I I liked it a lot. It's not a ten
0: out of ten, but
1: neither is Goodfellas. And that's a good I, call. I um you know, there's a lot of gangster movies out there, and if you really like gangster movies, and this is one of them. This is one of yes. the good ones. There's a lot of them, but this is still one of the good ones. There's this one, and Goodfellas, and Miller's Crossing, mm-hmm. and Casino, mm-hmm. and 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 the Godfather series, mm-hmm. the old Scarface, the yes, the '80s Scarface. Mm-hmm. Um, there's plenty of stuff, and there's plenty of good ones, and like I said, this is one of the good ones, in my opinion.
0: I agree, and and next up for uh, for next week we have Alice doesn't live here anymore, which got good reviews. It seems like it's about a widow with a preteen son traveling across the Southwest U.S.
1: Yeah, I believe this is critically acclaimed, so I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, looking forward to it as well. It's starring Ellen Burstyn who uh, her previous film was actually The Mother in the Exorcist, which I have not seen The Exorcist. I hate to say that. I have never seen The Exorcist, but she won a Best Actress Oscar for this film. Alice doesn't live there anymore. So that's that's pretty huge. I'm I'm excited to see her uh her not only her character but her chops in it to win Best Actress. That's that's big, so yeah, I'm, yeah I'm look. Excited. Yeah, looking forward to it for sure. And of course, uh, apologies for last Thursday. I I forgot about the the DFS show. It's totally on me. Um, I do want to do this Thursday if you're if you're down for it. it. We don't. I don't know how we're going to lay it out. Whether we're just going to do uh, both games, kind of showdown look or what. But um, I still have some cash that I want to give to to DraftKings for sure.
1: Yep, let's do it.
0: All right, man. Well, it was fun. It was great to talk to you and uh, I'll see you on Thursday. All right. See you then.